This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals and the second place Cincinnati Reds. We'll get that in a minute. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm of 2,275 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberries. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you got a question you want to ask Skinny about what the hell is going on with the Reds, oh, who's this new guy that I brought up from the minor leagues? Is CES going to be able to play? Give me a super chat. I'd greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And you know what? I wear it almost every single day. I was wearing it earlier today on the show I did with uh, James Rapine. But Jackpot Joey 9, we got the flag. We got the beer. The flag and all the stuff you can get right here at uh, jackpotjoey9.com. Portion of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. The beer is coming back out. I got to ask Richard if he got to try it, but I, I don't think he got to. The beer's coming out here in a couple weeks. It'll definitely be at the Jackpot Joey uh, Cornhole Tournament August 12th at Brick Brewery. So make sure you guys get some while you can. What's up to everybody in the chat crew? We got a whole two people in there. Stranger, you're always first. What's going on? Brad, what is up? Yes, Bearcatch renewing the UCUD series. I'm very excited about it. I know Richard is too. He, he was happy that I came back here. Now let's get to the man. He's Richard Skinner. Skinny, what's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Good, man. Long time no see. You had, you had a nice vacation there in Orlando? I did. Uh, my daughter works at Disney World, so we played a little golf, went to the parks, went to the beach, did a little pool, did a little bit of everything down there. We, we drank around the world the last day too at Epcot, so that's always oh, a good nice. Thing. Nice. Yeah. Now, I heard this a couple weeks ago, and uh, I didn't actually hear it live. I got t- tweeted out to me that it happened, but you were on Tony Pike's show, Cincy 360, and he said something about uh, trading Austin Elmore for your co-host, to, to for me to come on your podcast, for him to come on my podcast. Then he said I had to reach out to your people to set up him coming on my show. 
I'm confused by the whole situation. What the hell do I got to do to get Tony Pike on my show? Tony Pike is one of the great tap dancers of all time. He <laughs> find a way to tap dance his way out of any situation. I called him th that, that day and said, listen, we got to make this happen. He said, let me look at my availability. And then he never got back to me. So I'll have to get back to him. I'll, I'll see him at camp for sure. Oh, I'll, I'll see him down there too. And I'll, I'll give him some crap when I see him because he, he's been going back and forth. This has been happening. This is like a, a summer long thing now. That, yep. that I think he's just having fun with it, trying to mess with me. So <laughs> anyway. he, need, he needs to pull up his end of the bargain. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. I like where your head's at, Richard. I like that. All right. So the Reds coming out of the All-Star break, lost the, 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 the last game going in and lost every game since then. The offense in the second game last night actually looked like the offense we saw, you know, in June. And they still lost. Uh, what is going on with the Reds, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think it's a little evening out process. I mean, this is not a, a finished product, right, by any stretch. This was not going to be a finished product this year. Um, it's been a fun year. It still has a chance to be a fun year. I mean, it's not like right. they've suddenly you know, gone from where they were to seven games out of first place. You're still very much in it. Um, still got a lot of baseball to play. You've brought up another piece to hopefully add to the puzzle. But you know, there were so many times it felt like, you know, after they brought up Ellie, for example, that – um, when they needed to get a big run, they got it, and then the bullpen would hold. When they needed right. a big start, remember they had that little—they had the twelve-game win streak and the three-game losing streak. And Andrew Abbott went to Baltimore and pitched a great game, and they mm -hmm. won three to one. Yep. You know, on nights where they needed eleven runs to win eleven to ten, they did that. Well, the exact opposite's happened right now. Right. It's—you know—they're not hitting, and then the game they do hit, they don't pitch, and, and so it is just kind of a—I think it's one of those things that does happen in the course of a season. I, I still very much believe in this offense. Um, the pitching staff, especially the starting staff, still um, the jury's out, and, and we don't even know if we're going to get answers there or not. But I still I still very much believe in this offense. It hit a weird rut, and, and it happens, unfortunately. And it happened at a bad time, especially when you're playing Milwaukee coming out of the break. Yeah, that, and that's that's the thing. is That's what I was trying to tell everybody. I mean, and people have said this, that do the Brewers have the Reds' number? And at first, I'm like, no, they don't have their number. You know, Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But the Brewers have excellent pitching and excellent bullpen. They just beat us, but I but I remember back to 2012 when the Reds won the the division. We couldn't beat the Cardinals, and we got I think swept or we lost the series last series in St. Louis. And I think we went out and won seven in a row or something. The base ran away with the division. Now that hasn't happened so far. We continue to lose, but just because we haven't played too good against the Brewers doesn't mean anything. Like I said we're two and a half out. CES is up here now. We got uh, Ashcraft back. Looks like Ashcraft is getting closer to what he was that you know we saw last year at the beginning of this year. So things are happening, and like I said, it's only two games. So I mean, a lot, a lot. Baseball is 162 games. A lot of stuff can happen. I know Reds fans have been a while since we've been in a, in a, uh, a pennant race. So I think people forget that from time to time. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lineup right now with Spencer Steer batting seventh and Tyler Stevenson batting eighth or ninth. I mean, you know, that's just that lineup's going to produce runs, and it did in that second game last night. It was just unfortunate the bullpen. Didn't pitch very well, and it's also unfortunate that, that that Weaver got hurt. Now, I don't know what he would have given you. He hasn't given you a whole lot other than they seem to win games. He starts for whatever reason. <laughs> right. But, you know, him leaving left you on a, on a day where you had to go to the bullpen in the conclusion of the, of, the, of the Monday night game and then have to tax the bullpen again last night. Um, it's disappointing. When you do score double digits in a game, you shouldn't lose at the major league level. One of those teams when they got to, to, to the double digits last night was going to, and unfortunately it was the Reds. Uh, I still think this team has a lot of juice left in it. Um, I, I think there's going to be another time where Ellie gets hot. Um, he's still going to steal you some runs with his legs. Matt McClain just continues. He may have a, a one for nine, two days, but comes back with two or three hits. And, and all of a sudden, you look, he's still over 300 with, a, with an eight-plus OPS. So, again, I, I still think top to bottom of the lineup, it's really, really a good team. 
again, the pitching is the biggest key. And unfortunately, the hitting lets you down for the first few games of, this, of, of the after the All Star break. Now, what's have you heard any update on uh, Weaver's elbow? Is he going to be okay? Not, or just sore? Or? Yeah, no, I did not. I, that's, that's a great question. I was not down at the ballpark today, so I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and again, like I said, I, you know, he's a short stopgap guy at the moment. Um, I think the big question is, at what point can you get Hunter Green back? At what point can you get Nick Lodolo back? And that sounds like nobody knows at this point. The hope is sometime in August. If that's the case, great. You know, maybe at the deadline, you, you make a deal to get another pitcher for, as, as a stopgap and moving forward as maybe a back-end guy of the rotation. But uh, it, is a, it is, a, is a big one. It puts a lot of pressure right now on, on Graham Ashcraft and, uh, um, and on Andrew Abbott to have almost great starts every time out. No offense, you don't know what you're getting from Brandon Williamson, although his most recent start was really good. Right. Certainly, Weaver's ERA is, is horrifyingly bad, and that other spot's just been a, a million <laughs> guys. So He's missed a rain delay. pressure on those guys. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, he can't pitch without it raining on him. It, it, it's it's just crazy, it's crazy. how that, stuff, that always happens. But yeah, uh, we you talk about Lodolo and, and and Green coming back. We said we've heard August. Well, August is what a week and a half away. Uh, we don't still they haven't even started throwing yet, have they? Or, or yeah, well, or, hunters out, hunters are working at hunters out in um in Arizona okay. with the, at the, at the uh, minor league or excuse me the spring training site. And I'm assuming he's throwing at this point because it wasn't an arm issue; it was a hip issue. Right. I would hope he is because. Um, if that's the case, and that hip issue is probably worse than we can imagine. So I think there's a little bit more hope in theory about Hunter than there is about when you get Nick Lodolo back. Yeah, because those two, like I said, if you get those two back and if you get Anton back, I mean, those are three guys right there, and they can pitch like we've seen them pitch. That's like trading for you know two starters and a, and a reliever. So, I mean, that yeah, would be huge. No, I mean, yeah, put Anton in the back of that bullpen with with Diaz and, and with, with Sims. I know, again, Sims gave up the, yeah. the game, the, the, the restart, but for the most part, Lucas Sims has been a – a good part of this bullpen. Um, yeah, that you're, you're three deep strong. And if you want to count Buck Farmer in the mix, you're four right. deep strong there. And if you get Lodolo and Hunter back, you're four deep in your starting rotation at, at that point. And that's, it's got a chance to do some stuff over the last couple of months. And don't forget about Ian Jabot. I mean, you know, he's, he, <laughs> he's, he's he, listen, he, he, he doesn't look the part. We all know that. And, and that's what I think compounds the issue. Right. But if you look at his numbers, they're not off the charts. He's not off. Right. Yeah. I, I always say I do a, a, a Spaceballs uh, reference, one of my favorite movies. You know, there's two sides to every Jabot. Sometimes you got the good Jabot, sometimes you got the bad Jabot. That's so right. It, it, right. It just depends on what happens when he when he comes out. Sometimes he pitches lights out. Sometimes looks like he's there pitching his life. <laughs> well, that's, and that's, that's kind of the modern bullpen. I mean, you hope you have that back-end guy, which you – doing Diaz and, and for some teams you hope like Milwaukee does they've got a great setup guy um, and the Reds do too and Lucas Sims and then the rest of it is you sometimes just don't know what you're getting from week to week from those guys and that's why they're back into the bullpen guys or actually uh, back bottom of the bottom of the bullpen guys for the most part and you just you're, you're hoping more than, than anything else now there was a, a move today the Reds uh, sent uh, Daniel Duarte down Duarte. and they yep. uh, recalled Levi Stout uh, yeah right. he made that start if you remember he made a yeah start uh, kind of right before the break. I think that's more just to get a fresh arm up here because, like I said, they, they ran through a bunch of arms on Tuesday, so you just need a fresh arm up here. So, finally, they got CES up, and I was surprised. I'm not surprised they finally came up, but still surprised they kept the three catchers because that's what I kept saying. I think you get – I mean, uh, Kirk Casale is barely playing. I mean, he, he does play, but not a lot, I think, to keep him on this roster. I don't. I still don't understand why. They kept three catchers, but I'm glad CES is up here. Um, and hell, his first hits a home run, and he crushed it. Um, where are you at on will CES be able to play every single game? And do they really need three catchers, Skinny? I mean, do no, they really I, need it? 
Yeah, I don't think moving forward they will go with that. I mean, they put Kevin Newman um, on the IL, and I think when Kevin Newman comes back, you'll see one of the two catchers between Luke Maley um, and Kirk Casale go. I, I understood the idea of the three catchers initially because you wanted right, to yeah. you want to take the workload off of Tyler Stevenson and and play him a little bit at first, play him a little bit at DH. Well, the first baseman experiment stopped very quickly. I think one start into it, and his bat really didn't warrant him being a DH. His bat does warrant him being the starting catcher, and I think right. – once you now you're in a little bit of a, a, a divisional race, you'll see Tyler Stevenson catch more and more as things move forward. And I don't think you're going to need the three catchers. In fact, based on where the roster is right now, you're not going to be able to have the luxury to have the three catchers. Right. I, I don't think we're there now. I mean, at least if Kevin Newton comes back, I think one was gone. And and I've said this before that I think Tyler Stevenson hits better when he's a catcher. He, he doesn't. I mean, some guys just don't do DH. You know, they got to be all in on, on the game because, I mean, you go there and you sit on the bench. And you bat every, you know, two or three innings. So it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to to do to keep yourself mentally focused in the game. I think Tyler Stevenson, he, he said it before, he sees himself as a catcher. He's a catcher in his brain. He's a catcher. Yeah, but, but you know, I think this year was supposed to be the year we found out about the guys at the top of the rotation, the Green Lodolo group, and whatever else happened was kind of gravy. And that was where you were trying to take some workload off Tyler Stevenson and then probably changing that script moving forward. Well, where we are right now, you can't afford almost to have Kirk Casale, right. Luke Maley catch on a, on a regular basis. They can maybe catch a day or a week or um, give Tyler Stevenson some, some innings off in a blowout one way or the other. But, I mean, Tyler Stevenson needs to be in there and in there every day at this point catching, and I think that's the direction they're going to go. Yeah, exactly. Now, what are your thoughts on Ellie leading off? I'm not sure. I mean, I understand he wants to get as many at-bats as he can. But I don't know. I think this offense just do, does better when TJ is leading off. I, I mean, yeah, if I, Ellie hit second, third, but I don't know. I, I think some of this was maybe to change Ellie's approach a little bit, maybe take a few more pitches. Um, you know, obviously when they were in the funk that they were in, I, I, I do like the fact he shook it up a little bit and, and moved some things around just to see. I don't think that's the long-term answer. Uh, I'm with you. I think TJ Friedel kind of earned that leadoff spot. Um and he fits pretty good in the two-hole as well. I mean, you yeah. can steal a lot of runs with Ellie getting on via a walk, stealing a base. Friedel dropping a bunt down and either getting first and third or a guy at third, and then McLean knocking him home for a quick early run. I, I can see some of that, but I, I don't think this will be a long-term thing with Elliott at the top of the order. The power numbers for him are going to eventually come around. It may not be this year, but eventually as he matures and, and fills out a little bit more, those power numbers are going to warrant he's a middle-of-the-lineup guy more than a leadoff guy. Although Mookie Betts is a hell of a home run hitting leadoff guy too. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, Ellie uh, Dale Cruz, I call him the most electrifying man of baseball. He does stuff that I've never seen people do. I mean, he, he threw a pitch from – or not a pitch. It, it should have been a pitch, but I, he threw a ball from third base the other day, 97-point-something miles an hour, the, the fastest one ever recorded on an infield. That's ridiculous what he can do. With well, I mean, yeah, that – that that the, the obviously, they gave him Milwaukee. We were still second, third, and home. And then the next day, the game they got shut out right before the All-Star break, he made a ridiculous over-the-shoulder yep. catch that mm -hmm. I, I – I wish people understood how hard that was. He made it look so easy with, with going over the shoulder to catch it. In fact, he timed it up. That that's he's like, I can't get turned around. I've got this measured, and then turned had the foresight to turn in case the guy thought about tagging up. And there are some third basemen that you might have thought about tagging up on that ball on because you got to catch it, plant, wheel throw. But not when you're right. Not when you got a 97 mile an hour gun. So you're right. I, he has done just some absurd things in this first month, and he is literally just scratching the surface. I mean, honestly, that reminded me. I'm a, I know it's third base, not center field, but it reminded me of the basket catch of Willie Mays back in, yeah. you know, the, 54 the, world, in the world yeah, Series, where yeah. he caught it. I mean, it was the same different position, everything, but he did the same, same basic, basic, and made thing. it look easy. Yeah, it looked like it was, it was oh, no big deal. I got yep. this and turned to fire. I mean, it was the stuff. 
He makes baseball look easy. Baseball's not easy. Baseball is hard. No, I, the, the, my favorite play he made, now the steal of home was certainly spectacular, but the right. favorite one for me was was um, in St. Louis in a tie game. He's on third. Um, there's one out. They got the contact play on, so you're going on contact, yeah. and sometimes that means you're a dead duck. Mm-hmm. And it was a routine grounder to shortstop that, that a high school shortstop makes that play unless he has in the back of his mind, oh, crap, I have to get rid of this quicker than I normally do. And mm-hmm. what happened? He rushes the throw. He rushes it to the first base side of home plate. Ellie slides in with a winning run. He literally, because yep. he stole second, went to third on a pass ball, scored on that. He literally yep. stole you a win. And he's probably stolen you now three or four wins just by stealing them. And those are right. golden, man. I mean, you know, it's one thing for your whole team to outplay the others, but when one guy is stealing you wins, that makes a whole lot of difference. And he's done that. The only thing I want to talk about this, and I, you guys might have brought this up on, on your podcast. I, I like what you're talking about is, is analytics and how the stolen base had gone away. And I love it that it's back because this team plays – like like the, the teams I grew up with in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, that, that's that's stealing bases. And I, I think, and I, I think it's everything you brought up, were extra bases. You know, where if you get on first and you steal second, that could count as a, an extra base to your base total because you are putting pressure on these professional baseballs. I don't care if they're professional baseball players or not. You can see what Ellie Dale Cruz and, and these Reds teams are doing to them with the pressure, they're making mistakes on a consistent basis because of the red speed. Yeah, I, I, I haven't written this yet, and I probably will run out of time because Bengals camp's going to start, but I, I really believe in this, and this is what we were talking about on the podcast. You know, obviously, slugging percentage is derived by total bases divided by basically number of plate right. appearances. Um, and so that's why everybody falls in love with the home run. You get four total bases for it two total bases for a double. And so everybody's enamored with that. And then that adds into your OPS. And we all measure now guys by OPS more than batting average. And I'm fine with all that. I get it. But what's the difference between stretching a single into a double or singling and then stealing second base? You still got an extra base. You took a base. Right. And, and my formula would be add that to the total base total. If you get thrown out stealing, well, that's a negative base. Right. Um, so you get it, or maybe even a negative two bases. If you were on second base with a double or however you got there, um, as a total base, and you get caught stealing third, that wipes out two bases for you. I'd love to see how that would be factored in um, and, and see where that would take the analytics for, for OPS and some of these guys, because I do think there is clear value to speed. There is clear value to stolen base. Um, I, I'm probably in the camp that I'll give you there's probably not clear value in bunting except in specific maybe late-game situations or maybe even an early-game situation where you're trying to steal a run. I, I'm with that. You get 27 outs. But, you know, especially with today's day where, you you know, you can only throw over so many times. Right. Stolen bases become a major weapon, and this team's got a lot of guys who can run, and I think that's been a big part. And then, unfortunately, when they didn't hit for these you know, three or four games coming out of the break, guess what that took away? Took yeah. away their running game, and that's been mm-hmm. a big part of what they've done. So, And I'm with you. The other part, too, which is an intangible, is it puts pressure on everybody. Like I said, that ground ball to the shortstop, that's a major league shortstop making a routine easy play, and he rushed it because in his mind, oh, my God, that guy's super fast. I got to get rid of it. He really didn't. He just needed to make the routine play, but it's in your mind. And I also think sometimes moving parts, mm-hmm. oh, I got to go cover second. It creates a hole every once in a while. It may not be a specific hit and run, but it creates holes. I'm I'm a big believer. If you've got speed, go ahead and use it, especially with the rules the way they are right now. Yeah, and the other thing on, on that infield hit, the infield was drawn in. I yeah, mean, it well, wasn't yeah. – yeah, they no. weren't laid back. I mean, he caught it in front of the – two steps in the grass. Right. I mean, it was ridiculous. That's all I'm like. I'm like, as soon as you start running, I'm like, oh, he's dead. I'm like, holy crap, no, he's not. <laughs> like, yeah, he's not. Yeah. Yeah, like, sheesh. And it's that's what speed speed kills. And, and I hate refer- referring to to the Tweety Birds. That's what I call St. Louis. But in the 80s, 
before we were in the same division, they were one of my favorite teams. And I love oh, Lou McGee, Vince Cole. Oh, I, love, I love that team. Tommy Hur's yeah. my favorite guy. Tommy Hur hit third in that lineup one year, had eight homers and knocked in 110 runs because there were all these guys on second and third for him. He right. just had to be a singles, doubles, hitter, bat, and third in that lineup. Exactly. And that, that's that's what that's what speed does. And that's just – I'm so happy it's back because – I'm sorry, it just – I love baseball, but the last 10 years it got kind of boring just sitting for the three outcomes. I'm like – and I, I would go off on here about this. Like, I miss – Bunning. I miss hitting a run. I miss stealing the bases. And that's what we have back. And this Reds team is taking complete advantage of it. And the 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 with all five guys up here now, now CE is up here, and I, I include Abbott and the five rookies. Yep, yep. We have a, a nucleus of a team that I think can be really good here for the next five years. I mean, it's it kind of reminds me of the Bengals of, of 2020, 2021. You can see on the horizon of something coming. Now, I've never seen five guys come up and, and perform like the these guys have. Now, yeah, CS, yeah, CS only had one game. we got to see, you know, see how it unfolds still. But, how, like, this team isn't going to go anywhere. And that's and that's where I'm kind of at with, with, with this season. If we don't win this year, we're going to compete next year, the year after that, the year after that. This We're not going away anytime soon. And, and that's what, you know, I, I know the rebuild is painful, and, and obviously it's been sped up the process because I fully expect this to be a 90-plus loss team and it's so, proven so it really well. right. it's good for them. Yeah. but you know last year you traded tyler malley to get back ces and spencer steer yeah. um you know part of the process was we've heard about ellie for three years now moving his way up the chain top guy top prospect in baseball he's coming he's coming matt mcclain was a was a high draft pick andrew abbott was a high draft pick now you got to hit on those guys but that was part of this of kind of mixing in trades for prospects and maybe maybe more ready some less ready major league prospects guys like steer and Encarnacion Strand were much closer to being major league ready prospects, getting some of those guys and then mix it in. If you've hit some drafts and the signing, obviously of Ellie um, as a Latin American player, uh, th- that's how you do a rebuild and how it can happen quickly. I mean, I couldn't have expected all of these guys to come up and do these things. And you're right. The jury's still out on CES, but all I would invite anybody to do is yeah. watch that. W- watch his two at bats last night. Um, Cause I had literally just gotten back into my house to watch McLean walk watch that home run and how effortlessly he swung at that pitch. Now it, it was a slider that hung and it literally screamed, hit me, but a lot of big <laughs> guys hit it. over swing. And, and right. he did. He took a nice, easy swing and still hit the thing 400 and some odd 440 feet. Then the next time up, he shoots one the opposite way. Go look at his number starting in his last year in college through the minor leagues. This guy isn't just a power hitter. This dude is a hitter period. End of story. He just rakes and, you know, for all those, and there was some conversation here as the, the, the you know things got hot of ah, if you got to trade CES for a for a top line arm, do it. No, this 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 is what you rebuilt for to keep these guys around, and then in the off season when you have a lot of these guys on cheap contracts under team control, then you go out and spend money on the spots you need. That's how you do this. And to their credit, it's been sped up, but it feels like it's way moving in the right direction. Yeah, and the thing is, Skinny, we got more guys down down there. We got uh, well, Monte. We yep. got uh, 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 Abbott or not Abbott uh, Arroyo. I mean, there, there's guys yeah. that uh, Con, Con, was it Connor? Um, oh, what's his name? Connor Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, Connor Phillips. I mean, there's three guys right there that could be up here next year. And I would like Rhett, the kid we drafted from. Uh, uh, I was going to say Vanderbilt, not Vanderbilt. No, from um, Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah from Wake, Wake Forest. Forest. He's probably. I mean, Mike Leak got off of a college campus and, and pitched. And I again, I I don't know if you want to do that all the time or very often. Right. And I think they want to work on a couple of things with him. Just reading some reports. But I think he's probably major league ready sooner rather than later. Yeah. Kind of like Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott pitched at Virginia. He was a college pitcher. Um, the, you know, those guys who 
are a little bit older and have shown some of their stuff against quality team. I mean, Wake Forest was number one in the country for a right. long time, played top-notch competition. He was 15-0, and 0, had ridiculous strikeout standings pitched. Um, he, he'll, he'll be – you know, I, I, a question was asked on a, on a I think, Mo Eggers show recently. He had a, a, a scout on – or not a scout, but I guess a guy who functions as that for a website – um, uh, is a kind of a draft Nick. And he was asked, Mo asked him, he said, do you think he could pitch up here this year? He goes, I don't think it's out of the question. It probably isn't going to happen, but I'm with him. I don't think it's out of the question. Um, you know, it may not be today, tomorrow, next week, but by September, could you add him to the mix? Right. That's, that's exactly what I said. People are like, Oh, he's not going to do that. I said, did you see him pitch? And I, I am by no means a, a college baseball expert. I happened to, to watch him. And I saw him against LSU, who won the national championship. Right, and he damn near put that team on his shoulder and took he them sure to did. the national championship himself. He sure did. Not, not only did we get him, we got and I can't think of the kid's name, but the other pitcher they got uh, from Florida. He, he's yeah, another yeah, another yeah. really good. And I think it's interesting that the Reds went to the college route because personally, especially with pitching, uh, and I think the narrative is kind of changing more. If you get these top quality college pitchers, they're closer to major league ready. Than say high schoolers or you know lower tier guys. Yeah, I, I think I think the hundred greens are the exception to that rule, yeah. right? Just because of the raw talent and and mm-hmm. again we all know that it's not all fastball, but it doesn't hurt to have a hundred and two mile an hour fastball in the yeah, repertoire. Helps a little. Those guys, those guys are unicorns though at the high school right. level. And I, I think you're right. I mean, Nick Lodola was a college pitcher. It sucks he's hurt, but when he's been healthy and he, he looks the part for sure. Um, you know, obviously Andrew Abbott was a college pitcher. Lawson kid was is, is, was a college pitcher. So I. I I, I like that flyer. I don't mind taking a flyer on a high school arm on occasion, but I think that used to be the rule in this organization back in the Jim Bowden years of just finding the most electrifying high school arm, and it never really worked out very well. No, I mean, we never had pitching, ever. No. I mean, even in the big red machine, we never had starting pitching. I mean, we, I mean, forever until we got developed Johnny Cueto, Tom Browning was the, the guy we only, only guy that I remember that we actually drafted and developed that that was a sustainable pitcher. God right, his soul unfortunately passed away here. Uh, recently, but that, that was the last guy I remember until we got John DeQuato and Homer Bailey. And say what you want about Homer Bailey, but I mean, those are that's that's pretty much been it. And and I just think uh, Skinny that when Hunter Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, and Abbott are and you put up Connor, that, that's five guys in the rotation. All five of them, the Bengals or Bengals, the Reds drafted, and all five of them could be really pretty damn good starters for us. Yeah, I think Connor Phillips they got in a trade, but your point's oh, well taken. Okay. He's been he's been in the he's been in the system. Yeah, but he's been in the system, so it's been system development. So right. yeah, no, I, I, that's that's part of it too. But but at least four of those guys for sure, yeah. were, were your guys. And I think right. that's the thing you got to hit on that as opposed to going, well, we can't develop anybody, and then you have to go overspend for pitching, and then you don't have money to spend on other places, and that's why you're in the mess you were in. So kudos to what they've done from a draft perspective, from a trade perspective here the last you know year plus to to kind of build this roster, and it's it's now a a roster that's certainly capable of being a playoff team, maybe as early as this season. Exactly. All right, so next week, Wednesday, I know you're going to be there. I'll be I'll up be on the bridge probably because I don't think they'll let me down there yet. <laughs> but um, training camp starts. Um, what I, Same thing I kind of asked James Trapine. What stories are you looking at uh, to start training camp? What, what are the big, big stories? Jonah Williams, Joe Mixon, running back, where, where are you at? Yeah, we're going to put the Joe Burrow contract in a different bucket because that's obviously going to be be everybody's conversation. If right. it doesn't get done by the start of camp, that doesn't mean it doesn't get done by the start of the season. And let's not forget, before everybody goes crazy panicky, if it doesn't get done, and I think it will, yeah, he still is under rookie option for next year of guaranteed money. Yep. So you still got time to to iron this out. I do think because of the other extensions that are looming, T, 
Logan, eventually Jamar. Mm-hmm. If this is a matter of them trying to find a way to structure all this to fit it in. But we're going to put that in a right. different bucket. So, yeah, I think for me it's one of them is certainly the Jonah Williams transition to right tackle. Will it be smooth? Will it be rough? Will it be he's a train wreck and just can't handle it? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be just fine. And if not, let's just say he doesn't. Does Jackson Carmen push him? At what point, you know, do you get Lyle Collins back? And it may not be at all. You may end up cutting him um, or putting him on the pup list, and and he, we won't see him for a few weeks into the regular season or even see him at all if things go well. That's certainly one of them. Um, can Irv Smith stay healthy? I think that's a, that's a big one because, you know, he's got first-round talent. He's, he did some things in OTAs. It, they didn't do much, but you could see he's got some real real abilities there as a receiver. He made a couple of really good catches. Um you know, if it, can he stay healthy, and and if so, what can he provide to this offense? Um, you know, Charlie Jones, I think, will be a point of attraction for what maybe he can bring now and down the road. Chase Brown, will he push Joe Mixon? Will Travion Williams push for some playing time? And then I, I think certainly on the other side of the ball, you know, I'm really interested in, in Rick Broy and I on my podcast today. We talked about the, kind of the same thing. I said I'm really interested to see when. They go to their third down periods in practice, and that's not every day, but it's you know chunk of sometimes a, a full session of eleven on eleven third downs. What does Lou Anarumo do with his pass rush group? That's you point. know I, I know Sam Hubbard will be out there, but will he be inside or outside? I know obviously Trey Hendrickson will be outside. So who else is in the mix? Is it Miles Murphy outside? Is it Joseph Osai outside? And Miles Murphy and Sam Hubbard inside? Where does BJ Hill fit into that mix? Um, that to me is is going to be really fascinating to see because he's got a lot of different ways. He can do this, and maybe he'll take Miles Murphy and just go. No, I'm going to make him a rotational end his rookie year. We'll figure out the rest moving forward. Or maybe he's like, no, this guy's too much of a weapon on pass rushing downs. But we're going to play him inside with his quickness and see if that can help us uh, in there. And Sam with his length in there. So I, I'm really fascinated by by that. The third down package stuff. Third, I'm not talking about third and short plays. Third right. and you know passing situations, right. and then certainly the safety situation. Is Dax Hill ready to start and lead? And then who starts with Dax Hill? Is it Nick Scott? Probably right away it will be because I don't think you want to put a, a Dax Hill who doesn't have a lot of NFL snaps at safety under his belt with a rookie. Right. But, you know, there's a lot of chatter about Jordan Battle, man, and mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what he does when when things get a little more real and how much does he push Nick Scott. Or maybe for Lou Anaruma, it's a chance for him to rotate safeties. I know he doesn't like to do that, and, and he had the luxury of, of Vaughn and Jesse, uh, Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates being so darn durable that right. they never came off the field. So that's why Dax didn't get an opportunity. But yeah, it's funny. There's, there's not a lot of storylines, but there are right, and that's yeah. the, that, that's kind of the, the cool part of this. And and uh, uh, so yeah, there's always stuff. And then I think it's going to be everybody's favorite guy. There's always that one wide receiver yeah. that was the Auden Tate of camps, right? <laughs> right. It'll, be, it'll be Andre Yoshevis when it, when he goes by somebody or shows some crazy athleticism uh, and makes a play. Are we all going to go gaga about that? I'm going to guess we all will. Exactly. Now we're all back to, to the defense. I, and I agree with you. I'm very excited about what Lou's going to do with these guys. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious, and I assume he's going to do this, but like, like you said, could you put all four of these guys in and mix and match them however you want and have a NASCAR package, you know, because yep. we got two, we could have two guys inside, two guys outside and they can, and Lou can just say, go ends. eat, go eat. They're, te- yeah. they're yeah. technically all defensive ends with defensive end speed. Right. And you can just tell them, go eat, go get that quarterback. And that, that is something we haven't had that, since Carlos Dunlap and, and, and those guys and that, that and, and, and Johnson. Yeah. Are, I want to say I, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I want to say it was either 14 or 15. I think they set the franchise record for sacks. And that was when Gino was rushing up the middle yeah. and yeah, you had Michael Johnson on one end, 
Uh, Robert Gethers would come in sometimes on, on that situation. Obviously, Carlos on, on the other hand, and, and you did have usually four legitimate pass rushers on the on the field, um, and and certainly you had a really good back end then that helped with that too. And you know, I think you got a pretty good back end here, but I think a lot of it is you know most coordinators, even though you know everybody loves the blitz and what that can sometimes be the chaos of it. I think every coordinator that has a four three defense would say, if you gave me my druthers on third down. I'll never blitz. I'm just going to rush my four and I'm going to hope they get home or put pressure on as quickly as possible more times than not. And I'm going to put seven guys in coverage if I can. And so, you know, I, that, that's the thing to me, it's going to be really fascinating because he's not going to completely tip his hand, but at the same time, let's not forget, we're not going to see Trey Hendrickson in preseason games. We're not going to see Sam Hubbard in preseason games. We're not going to see DJ reader. We're not going to see BJ Hill. Um, we'll probably see Osai a little bit, depending on how his health is coming along just to see him get some snaps. We'll see miles Murphy because he's a rookie. So really, he's going to have to get some reps in whatever group he wants to use as his pass rush group right. in training camp. Um, and so I'll be interested to see from day to day or whatever third down period to third down period. They don't do them every day, but they do them enough. Um, you know how that goes. You know, is it one day this group that he wants to see, and then it's another day this group that he wants to see? So I, I do think it's fascinating. Now, one thing I want to talk about is my, my boy DJ Reader, and I think he he gets snubbed a lot because I think he, he he's one of the best players at his, his position in the NFL. The problem is he doesn't get sacks. Um, it, it, should he have made a Pro Bowl already? I mean, I th- I think he should have already. Where are you at, yeah, DJ? I, well, I think the unfortunate part to it is he plays nose tackle, and you're just mm-hmm. not going to get. You know, people still get hung up on stats, um, and it just is what it, I, I I do feel bad for him because I think he's a he's a very key part to this defense just because of what he brings. It's not statistical. Um, I would like to see him improve his pass rush numbers, though, a little bit. I think that's a fair ask. Um, he doesn't play on pass rush downs primarily, but on first and second downs, I'd like to see him get a little more pressure on the quarterback, and maybe that's what's holding him back a little. Um, again, some of it is he is double teamed more times than not inside there. But I also know Geno Atkins was double teamed an awful lot <laughs> inside there. I know they played different spots, but again, so, you know, Geno was able to, to do some of that. But no, I think, and I can't remember one of his teammates that we talked to last year even said that, that. Um, you know, nose tackles just are never going to be heralded enough right. to probably get that. And that, and that, that is, that's unfortunate, but trust me, Lou Anarumo knows his value. His teammates definitively know his value to that defense. And that's probably all that matters. Exactly. Now, Brad's got a question here and I, I want to kind of add on to this as well. He said, will Chase Brown get any playing time since Mixon restructures contract? Now I want to add on to that. And I kind of asked James repeating this earlier today. Do you think that they will possibly go out and try to get a, a, another veteran running back? Or are yeah. they going to stick with who they got? Yeah, stick with who they got now. They would have done that if, if Joe had turned down. The, Even what, what about like see uh, in the train camp cuts? If there's somebody out there that's no, 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 I, no, I think you roll with what you got. Um, you know, you you they 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 like Travion Williams, and I got to be honest with you, I do too. I mean, yeah, Travion hasn't Travion. gotten a lot of touches, but in the 46 touches he's gotten, um, he's averaged 5.1 yards a carry. And um, back in April, what before the draft, uh, when the conversation about maybe Joe Mixon may not even be here this year, that he'd be a cap casualty. You know, Travion was talked about. I know Zach Taylor at the owners' meetings talked about Travion. And so I asked him, I said, so what do you think is holding you back? You know, is there something that you think you can do? Uh, and he said, well, kind of numbers, you know, I'm behind Joe and Samaj AP, right? And I'm just, you know, doing my thing by my time. I said, does it have anything to do with pass blocking? And he goes, bro, look at the tape. I said, <laughs> I said, um, I said, so you were a willing pass blocker? He cocked his head at me. He goes, go look at my college tape, man. I said, okay, I, I trust you. And I, he said, he, he really, you know, he goes, I feel like, you know, Giovanni Bernard is one of those little guys that kind of set the table for me to say, hey, I'm going to take pride in doing this. So, right. you know, maybe if he gets a crack. But I think to, to his question, 
I do think Chase Brown's going to get a lot of opportunities to show what he's got. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other part to this. Listen, they wanted Joe Mixon back. They wanted him back at their price, and I fully understand that. It's oh, the yeah. right thing to do, fiscally the right thing to do, and also from a production standpoint. I mean, Joe's production slipped last year. Some of it offensive line related. Some of it was they were a mess with the running game early in the year until they kind of figured out what they wanted to do with it. But numbers are numbers, and his numbers were not very good. He did have a great game against Buffalo, but if you look, um, you know, he, he didn't run through tackles very much last year. He didn't get around people very much last year. And again, some of that could just be the combination of, of just trying to figure out what they were doing, or it could be, listen, man, running backs in this league, they're cycling through it every four five or six years. And we get to the point of Joe Mixon's on the back nine a little bit. And if so, and Chase Brown shows something in camp and maybe Joe doesn't show something in early games, then I do think Chase Brown will get a bigger work- workload. I don't think they, they're afraid to do that. I mean, let's not, let's not forget this. No matter how they want to slice it in the AFC championship game, Samaj P. Ryan got almost twice as many snaps as, mm-hmm. as, as Joe Mixon. Some mm-hmm. of that was pass blocking related, but again, he got twice as many snaps basically as All Joe right. Mixon. And I think that was them saying he's a more productive guy though. And that's, that was also Joe coming off that great game in Buffalo. Remember right. he was terrific in Buffalo in the playoffs. That was his best, that, that game or the game against Cal, uh, Carolina, one of those two. I think, I think Buffalo was his best game last year. But the Carolina game. I do too touchdowns. because of what it meant. And in the snow, yeah. all those Right. Yeah, that was pretty dynamic. But yeah, I, I do think Chase Brown's going to get a, a chance. And again, fresher, younger legs. That's what this league's kind of about now. And I think I, I understood why they signed Joe Mixon when they signed him and what they signed him to, because I think he was kind of the heart and soul of this team at that point in time. But, you know, running backs in this league just don't get second contracts like that anymore. And, and you can see, and you can see a lot of these guys that had franchise tags are pissed off. Um, right. You know, uh, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, um, you know, these guys are, are you know, Austin Eckler is upset with people talking about running backs don't mean anything. And, and uh, you know, he said, I think he said something along the lines of uh, you will check out all the great teams. They have a great running back. Well, um, Kansas city won a super bowl with, with Pacheco and a, and a committee. I mean, there were 17 different running backs that Philadelphia used last year. So do you really need a great, not, not today's NFL, you know, it's nice. It's a luxury. It's, I mean, having a Joe Mixon in his prime is a nice thing to have. Um, but at the same time, you're not overspending on that position anymore. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because I had a uh, uh, Corey Dillon on, on yesterday. We were talking about that that very same thing about how the running backs are not are devalued and stuff. And yeah, I mean, there there are there are running backs like Corey Dillon. Then there's everybody else. I mean, Corey Dillon's uh, one in a lifetime, I think, running back. But I, you're not gonna. I don't know if we're gonna see guys like Corey Dillon anymore because I don't think they're gonna be. One given the ball enough, or, or the career is going to be long enough anymore. Yeah, I mean he he was and he was a true I formation tailback with a fullback in front of him. How many teams have a fullback anymore? Right, Maybe you right. bring a tight end in there on occasion to play that at a short yardage, but nobody right. has that anymore. So I mean everybody's three wide or two wide, two tights, and a, and a running back. I mean it's just a single back system, and ninety nine percent of teams are out of the gun. So you know you also have you know Corey Dillon in his day, and he was certainly great. There's no question about that. I mean, he was used to running downhill out of the eye formation with a quarterback under center. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these guys now, they may have come from a system in college doing that, but if you're asked to stand in the shotgun and start from a, a starting position as opposed to coming downhill, that can be a big change for you. So, right. yeah, it's just it's just a position I, I, I do feel bad for because they're always – those guys are great athletes in, in the prime of their careers. They are great uh, great players to watch, but it's just not a position of value anymore. You just And that's where, you know, quarterback, wide receivers – Offensive tackles, corners, and pass rushers, those are the dudes getting paid these days. Right, exactly. Now, with Jackpot Joey, so far, knock on wood, has had a 
a normal offseason. Oh, you said it. And <laughs> don't forget the appendectomy occurred almost right before it started last year. <laughs> that's that's how it's not going to win there, Skinny. All right. <laughs> so, with that being said, if he has a normal one, which looks like so far he has, can you see him improving upon what he's already accomplished and getting even better this year? I mean, and yeah, if that's so with this offensive line, that's freaking scary, dude. Yeah, because he's committed to that. He's going to find some kind of flaw, some kind of, um, you know, some kind of little thing. He, he talked to us about it. He talked to actually, um, right, I think it was the last press conference we had with him before we broke uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, he talked about, you know, doing some more things, working on, on things with his feet um, in practice to, to simulate more unscripted plays. Um, he said he, he, he learned the lesson last year of, of getting rid of it for checkdowns a little bit quicker. And I think that made a difference for him, the offensive line and for the offense of, Hey, this play may be designed to go to this window and he may sit there and hold it and hold it and get sacked. Well, sometimes that's on him. If the check down was the better play, take it. And I think he learned, right. all right, sometimes the check down is a better play for me. And that sounds easy, right? It's not. I mean, you're, you're, you're used to, if you think you've got all the right. time in the world, whole shot, baby. Whole shot. Yeah. yeah you're you're going to take that whole shot. And I think he learned last year, there's times to take the whole shot and there's times to take the check down. Right. And that's the thing with great quarterback. He's going to find something to get better at. And you're right. That is scary because he's had a full healthy off season to do that with. And hopefully a whole full healthy training camp to do that with as well. And one thing I, I hope he works on, which I don't know how you fix this other than maybe different arm angles or something is the tip pass. Well, he talked about some of that. He talked about working on arm angles as well and, and doing things from different arm slots. So I think he's cognizant of some of that stuff too. Yeah. It's, I mean, that that's the thing. You get him improve, improving and our improved offensive line. Skinny, the, the, if we say healthy, the sky's the limit for this team. It, no it's, question. It's unbelievable. And, and I, I I got to meet uh, Zeus, Orlando Brown, uh, a couple months ago. And I don't know if you got to stand next to him yet, but he's the biggest oh, yeah. damn human I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's funny. He, he is, but he's sculpted differently. than Lyle Collins always looked bigger to me. And actually, yeah. if you look at him uh, with what the- – they are the media guy. Technically, I think Zeus is bigger, but it, he's sculpted just differently. The Lyle just looks massive. I don't yeah. know what it is about him that looks massive, more massive than 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 what Orlando Brown is. But he is a big, big man. I think that's the other thing too is you're going to need a little time to gel with the offensive line, but not like last year. You oh, had yeah. all kinds of different moving right. parts in there. You're asking Jonah to flip sides. You're not asking Jonah to join a whole new group of guys he knows nope. nothing about, etc. And, you know, guard to guard, these those guys are the same guard to guard. Mm-hmm. And you're plugging in a Pro Bowl guy at left tackle. You know what? I don't think that guy's going to have to need to worry about gelling with the rest because he's handled his business at left tackle before. I think that's the other part, too, is it did take this offensive line some time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we all took it for granted, myself included, that, hey, you've gotten better and it's automatically going to be better as a group. I, I think this group, even without preseason snaps and – Get ready for it, folks. Right. You're not going to yeah, get any preseason snaps. You're not no. getting any, right? Uh, I think even without that, they're, they're going to be much, much better at hitting the ground running as a group. Exactly. Now, what's your thoughts on Cordell Volson? Because I had a lot of people come out and say, you know, if Lel Collins is healthy, which I don't think there's a chance that Lel is going to be healthy for the beginning of the season, of possibly kicking him in the guard. I don't understand why people want to see, like, not everybody, but some people want to replace Cordell already. For what he did for coming out of Division II college, playing every single snap, and play that at a high level. I mean, I thought he did pretty well, damn good for his first year. Yeah, I, I do too. I think people get enamored with PFF grades. I understand that. Um, it, it's a number that you can use as a tangible tool if you want. I, I like them. I think they have a purpose. But I'm also kind of an eyeball guy. Uh, here, here's the question I would have for people in that regard. How many times last year, I'm not asking for a specific number, but really honestly, as a fan, think about it. How many times did you really go to yourself, 
damn Cordell Volson. I mean, right. honestly, there weren't a handful, and everybody's gonna have a handful of those times. So if you didn't notice him, that's probably a good thing. And, and yeah, Lyle, I don't even know if he's gonna be on this club. I think that's the big question. I think for them, they want to make sure Jonah's healthy, that Jonah handles the transition because Jonah's getting paid twelve point six million dollars, whether he plays a snap this year or not. Um, so they're going to want him to play. And I think he is probably a better offensive lineman than Lyle, um, even playing that right side. But again, if it's not comfortable, then, you know, four games in, if you put Lyle on the pup list, uh, there's two pup lists. They could put him on the active. He's probably going to go on the injured pup list. If that's the case, you know, four weeks in, things aren't going well for Jonah. Maybe you plug plug, plug, uh, Lyle in there. But I do think with with the extensions coming and the money you're going to have to utilize for that, I just can't see them having – 20 some odd million dollars tied up in two right tackles. I just don't see that. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I, I brought me to my next one where I'm, I'm of the opinion that I, I know it's a lot of money, but to have him as a backup because skinny went to the Super Bowl, our offensive line was hurt. Once the AFC championship game, our offensive line is hurt. If you can have uh, uh, LC and, and Jax Carmen as your first two guys off the bench, that's better than, Say what you want about Jax Carmen. Jax Carmen played pretty good the in the year last year. He did. That, he that's did. better than any backups we've had. Uh, Cody Ford. I mean, and, and Cody Ford. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm like, I just, I want that security, man, because yeah. we're, we're gonna play 2021 games this this year. Here's my question, though: If it's keeping Lyle Collins or having money to extend Logan Wilson, which one are you gonna do? Oh, I'm cutting. I'm cutting. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I, I think that's. I think that's really what it's going to come down to is is the borough the borough extension, the 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 Logan extension, the T extension, and then having some rollover money to put towards a Jamar extension. I just don't know how you can afford it. Maybe they find a way. Maybe they account for it. Um, I just don't see that being the case. I think he's still on this roster for a short period of time as an insurance blanket, and then they'll make the decision, whatever that may be, for him. That question. I, I don't. I. Don't, I do. By no means do I claim to understand anything about contracts, but if they extend Logan Wilson, that contract doesn't start and kick until next year. So that well, you, you, you can, this year, right? Yeah, yeah. You can do the, the 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 signing bonus money though into into this season, but yes, a lot of times that will kick in. That's the thing for Burrow's extension. I mean, in theory, that thing could kick in in two in, in two years from now, and I think that's right. so. You're trying to figure out a way to where does Burrow's money get slotted from right. all the times you got to spread it out for the for the cap or for whatever guarantees. Mm-hmm. Then where do you slot T's money into that equation? Then where do you slot? At some point, again, even if it's even if you have a little bit of space this year for Lyle Collins, some of that though, you know, if you have like twelve million dollars under the cap at the end of the year, that becomes rollover money. That's real money that you can roll over to next year's cap and beyond. So that does still come into play. That's why I think Mixon. I don't think I know. That's why they asked Joe to restructure his contract. Um, and and um, I, I again, they're going to have to make a decision on Lyle Collins. And I I think it's more just make sure that you're okay at that right tackle spot for now. Now you brought up Logan Wilson's contract. Now I think we all were in agreement that we all thought that Jermaine Pratt was probably gone. You know, I we, thought he was. Yeah, he so thought this, he was. I, yeah, I, I yeah, I think he thought it was. We all thought it was. Does that affect Logan Wilson? I mean, because I. Thought they were going to let him go and keep uh, Logan Wilson and keep uh, keep Davis Gaither. Yeah, you can't I, keep I think, all three of them. Yeah, I think the only way it does is I, I think you can actually because I don't think okay. Davis Gaither is going to command a ton of money. But I, I think for Logan, it's does he somehow price himself out of the market? I don't see that taking place. Um, I think he's a more valuable player at this point, a more complete player than Jermaine. But they're they're almost hand in hand. And again, I think for the price you can pay for the two of them to have. 
you know, your your bookend linebackers for another three, four years together. I think that's very valuable. And even I say that even when I just mentioned linebacker is not a premium position. I thought they got a nice contract on the Jermaine Pratt deal. And I'm guessing Jermaine in his camp did too. And I think Logan Wilson, it'll probably be the right price for both as well. But hey, listen, if it, if not, then then you do have Akeem Davis Gaither in the fold. You are back into probably that mix here in the next draft or two of going back and getting another linebacker or two somewhere in the in the third, fourth round. I mean, they 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 hit on some guys here where they had struck out. Remember how many years they, it felt like, and I actually wrote a column once about this, about the third-round linebacker was. It felt like every year they were getting a third-round linebacker, and he was a dud. Yep. He started to hit on some of these guys. and uh, So, yeah, I, I think now that you've hit on them, if you can make the money work, and I think they they will, uh, you'll have Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt together. I mean, I, I hope so. I, I, I love Logan Wilson. I want to keep it. That was the first thing I thought of when we signed Jermaine. I was like, okay, does that mean Logan, Logan's gone? Because, like I said, I didn't think they'd keep all of them. Now that brings me to the other contract we all keep talking about is T Higgins. And it came out earlier in the summer that, you know, it's the contract's coming, going to be done soon. My concern with this, this is his agent. It's the same one as Jesse Bates. And I don't know if the Bengals have ever negotiated a contract with him. And also think it depends on, on T. T is not going to get paid as the number one wide receiver here because that's Jamar Chase. Now, if he goes somewhere else, most of those teams will pay him more money. Where T's coming here and he, he showed up to all, all the offseason workouts, OTAs, everything. He did. Which, he did. He I, said I, I all the right good. thing. Right. So, so to, to me, that seems as good faith that he's wants to stay, wants to be here. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah. I point blank asked him, I mean, you don't, I said, you don't have to be here with your contract situation. Why are you here? And he made a mention of it. He goes, I'm here to work. I'm here to get better. And I, I, I was, I was a little bit surprised by, by him being there, to be honest with you, because it is a, a little bit of a risk. It's a great question because I, I don't know where the market stands for a 1A wide receiver, right? I mean, because right. he's not a 2. He's a 1A. Yeah. Um, he's a really good you know, 1A. <laughs> yeah, but we saw it with Marvin Jones, too, where Marvin right. Jones wanted to get paid as a 1, and he did. The Detroit Lions paid him as a 1. But he also went to a franchise that, that ended up sucking. And so right. he got paid, and they have just, <laughs> he, I think, can still get paid and be a part of a Super Bowl run for, for a few years to come now. And so, and I think he wants to be a part of that. I also, I think it's a hard one to always gauge where the wide receiver market is for the, not the Jamar, Justin Jefferson right. guys, because they're going to set a bar at some point here. Right. Um, and again, I, I think that's where we're at with the impasse of some of, some of this, especially with T. Well, Mal, I always reference this, that TJ Husman Zada had uh, his best year as a Bengal, his year he was a free agent. And then he left and went to Seattle, and yep. then he was basically out of the league a couple years later. Why, if wide receivers, I don't care how good you are, if you don't have a quarterback, it's – I mean, you can. Don't well, get me wrong, you don't, can, and, but, and if you don't have a guy on the other side of you that, that's taking some coverage on occasion right. away from yeah. you, I mean, you're not going to put up the numbers. It's, it's not, not going to work. He's not going to have a better situation than he has right now. There is no better no, situation not, in the NFL than, than, yeah. than, than Joe Burrow throwing the ball and Jamar Chase on the other side, side of the field. There's, there's nothing better. Yeah, he knows that. Yeah. But, again, business is business, and that's yeah. – that's the unfortunate part of this. Uh, this would be this is more fascinating to watch this one play out than even the Joe Burrow situation, just because of I don't know where the market is for one A guys. All right, so time time frame is uh, Joe Burrow's contract? Does it get done before training camp starts? Or that's a great question. Se- we we all season? those of us that cover the team joked right before we left for the for this little mini summer break of you watch it'll be on Mock Turtle Soup Day, the busiest day of the year when we're talking to everybody and this thing breaks and whatnot. <laughs> That's such a good question because I, I I'm 
I'm making nothing more than just a guess at this, like probably everybody else. I'm going to say it does, um, and it may even become it may even come on the the morning of July 26th when when we all show up and and the veterans show up uh, to, to for their first practice. And if it doesn't, I still I still wouldn't completely worry at this point. I mean, when Joe Burrow got involved, if you remember what he said mm-hmm. that he is involved, um, it's going to get done. He's going to make sure right. it gets done for him the right way if possible for T Higgins the right way, if possible for Jamar Chase the right way. Because he knows, and he mentioned it, one thing, you know, to have a quarterback, you got to have some guys around you, and he knows that as well. So I think we're in that yin and yang again of how does he get structured? How do we structure this guy? How do we structure that guy? And it's just, it's it's a complicated thing. You'd like to think these are all individual in-a-box things of, I right, get Joe Burrow done, and now let's get T Higgins done. Right. And now let's go get Logan Wilson done. And that's now that's let's that's I think they're all intertwined, and I think that's that's the moving part that's that's hard right now to kind of get your arms around. Exactly. Now I'll talk a little uh, Bearcats here, and I think you look twelve put it out there. I don't know if you wrote the article or not. Yep. About the Bearcats renewing their uh, rivalry with UD, I think it's awesome. How 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 big of a deal is this? Do you think? I'm glad for it. I, listen, I, I went to the University of Kentucky, and I missed the Kentucky-Indiana rivalry. That was always a good one every year um, for me. And they've kind of done away with that. I, I, I always loved the kind of the Miami Valley rivalries of of UC Miami, Xavier Miami. Obviously, the Crosstown Shootout. You know, then then Xavier and Dayton used to be in the same league together. I like to see them play non-conference too. And then now UC and Dayton. I, I think it's I think it's great. It's the thing that I I never understood. I. I I don't know what the animosity is. If you feel like, oh gosh, if we lose this game, we're going to lose out on an Ohio recruit because Dayton beat us. I don't think that's how it works. Um, yeah. You know, and, and honestly, from a, from a cost perspective, what a cheaper thing to do than to get it on a bus and drive right. 60 miles either way, or honestly, probably less than that, 50, yeah. 50 miles either way to play a basketball game, hop back on the bus, you're back on campus an hour and a half after the game ends. It's, exactly. it's it always seems to make so much easy sense for me. And for both, both teams, it's a quality opponent. I know Dayton's mm-hmm. not in a, a high-level league, but Dayton's had success over the years. I mean, COVID year, they were arguably one of the top yeah. two or three teams in the country, for goodness sake. So I, yeah, I, I think those, seen... I, I love those rivalries. Fans love those rivalries. I just don't understand why athletic departments don't get behind those more often. And maybe it's, I, you know, I it's like last year, you ventured over to play NKU and lost. Do you have egg on your face? Maybe you do, but I still think it's good for both of you to do it. it, it, you're, it again, it did that didn't cost UC a tournament berth. It, it, no. It maybe was a wake up. I don't know what it was, but bottom line is, I think those things are just good, good for good for the area of basketball. And I and I love to see Kentucky UC play, Kentucky Xavier play, Louisville Louisville UC play. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, we can have our own, we can have our own uh, our own tournaments. We yes, Indiana, yes. Purdue, Ohio State, uh, UC Xavier, Dayton, Kentucky. We can have our own freaking tournament, and yeah. they're within what two two hours, two hours, three hours of each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, exactly. I've said that for – when I was in high school, I said that. I'm like, why don't they ever do like a preseason Ohio Valley tournament? Be they great. can do it, and they can make a lot of money, and it would be a t- it would be a, good for TV too because there's a lot of high-profile programs there. And the expense of a bus is much cheaper than the expense of a plane. Right, exactly, exactly. All right, so like I said, uh, UC's in the Big 12. How – football, I, I – I, it's I don't know I, I'm not sure I, I think we might be getting our, our head kicked in this year. Basketball I actually think we got a shot at making a tournament just because of how many teams are going to get in from the Big Twelve. Where are you at on UC football and basketball? I think long term the success will be more in football than basketball, and and I even think uh, I, I think basketball faces an uphill climb this year. That league is just so daggone good. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, you've got to have a couple of NBA caliber guys, and I'm not sure UC has that on their roster. Could Jizzle James be that guy eventually? Yeah, maybe, um, but he's not there yet. Um, you know, you haven't. They have a nice roster if you're still in the American. You'd probably be the second best team behind Houston. Unfortunately, man, Big Twelve is loaded. I mean, that is a conference with nothing but dudes in it. I am interested to see how they fare with this to see how much more the roster has to get upgraded, or maybe he's recruited the way to his system that it works perfectly to, to win enough games. As you mentioned, you don't have to now finish um, high in, in the American athletic conference, only lose a couple of games and have a good non-conference to get in. Now you can go nine and nine in your league, or as West Virginia did last year, they were sub 500 in the big 12 right. and got in. So you can do those things. It's not as much pressure on you to do those things, but boy, even getting those eight or nine wins in that league, yeah. man, that is a big, big ask. Yeah. And, and it's and that, that I agree with you. That's been the problem, I think, with UC basketball is we haven't gotten those NBA prospects. I mean, we used to have them year after year after yeah. year. We at least have one guy uh, every every couple of years in a first round pick, and we haven't gotten. I mean, Nick didn't get it. I mean, he might have one or two guys in his whole time he was here. Uh, Brandon, you know, two years that that didn't happen, and, and so far Wes Miller hasn't gotten it. Um, which I, I think I actually like Wes Miller. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a hell of a recruiter. So I think he's got a chance to get us back to where we where we were. But like you said, we got to get NBA prospect, NBA players, and they're they're one and done. If you can even get them to come play now, because yeah. you, you got you know the, the G League and all that other stuff now. Yeah, he does have the Big Twelve to sell now for sure. I mean that right. that, that doesn't hurt by any stretch of the imagination. That's that's much better than selling. We're going to play East Carolina on a Saturday afternoon as opposed to we're going to be on. <laughs> Uh, on a, on a fairly big network with uh, with a game against Kansas. I mean, it, and, it's just it, it's just better. And you got the whole NIL thing. Which, uh, they, what's your opinion on that? I, I think they're going to have to get some rule more rules. Well, I think, yeah, there, there, there's going to have to be more regula- regulations to it. But I also think that you're going to see some of this money dry up, where there's just not going to be enough enough of that money to eventually go around. Yeah, unfortunately, the Texas A&Ms and the Texases who have major major mega donors or billionaires that mm-hmm. might fly. But at some point, I truly believe some of these NIL people are going to go, what am I getting for my buck here? Where's my right. bang for my dollar? And and I think eventually it dries up just a little bit. It's it's such a new toy now to dangle in front of kids, um, even though they're not allowed to dangle that in front of kids. Um, uh, it, it, it's 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 become a new toy, but I think eventually it, it will get regulated more than it is now. It, will, it won't run its course completely, but I think you're not going to see guys make the, the mega money they are now. Good for the guys that got in now. I mean, feel bad for guys that didn't have this three or four years ago. Right. But for the guys for now, good for you. Go get your money, man. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Skinny, you've been up for almost an hour. I, as always, dude, I appreciate it. I always th- thank you for coming on. I enjoy your comments. I enjoy your, your podcast. I got to get your co-host on there. So, you know, we can, if we ever do this trade, you know, you know he comes we'll do my show, I'll do your show, or you know, get you Tony go. Mike on. Or <laughs> I, I got to get Tony to quit tap dancing across the floor. <laughs> there you go, baby. I right, Richard, I appreciate. It. Oh, uh, real quick, just uh, plug something before I uh, let you leave. You got an article or, or anything else? Yeah, well, I've been doing a daily positional analysis for the Bengals. Just it's quick, quick hitter. Just guys, I, I list them in categories of guys who are locks to make it at that position, likely to make it, battling to make it long shots to make it, then a little quick summary of each, just to give everybody a quick refresher heading in, into, into camp. I've gotten through five of them already, um, through actually all the offense as of today, and we'll start on the defense starting tomorrow, and then I'll try to project the 53-man roster uh, for Monday, and we start kind of for real on Monday. It, it goes just like that. Hell yeah, dude. I can't wait. Now, real quick, 
do you guys still do the sports authority? Cause I, I clicked it on and it we, uh, we, we, we don't, we, we don't in the summer starting in the, I think it's like right around Memorial day. Then we pick it right back up when, when uh, uh, Bengals are getting ready to start. So yeah. Okay. Cause I was trying to find it because I usually try to watch, watch that and watch it. And I just click back yep. and forth and, and yep. watch them all. And I'm like, where the hell is it at? So, yeah, no, it, it'll be, it'll be back. It'll be back for football season. Cool. Well, you know, if you ever need, you know, a, a, a personality on her, you know, you there you know, go. Just call me up. <laughs> all right, Skinny. Appreciate you, brother. You bet. I take care, man. Always, always enjoy it. Thanks, bud. See ya. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Go check out Skinny. He's a great dude. He's a good writer. Uh, he's freaking, you can listen to him. He knows sports. <laughs> I, I, all the stuff he just said, he just said off the top of his head. He didn't write any, any of the stuff down. So, uh, yeah, that was a good question, too, Brad. Dang on it. I could have I could have asked him that one. How good will Evan Prince do a wide receiver? Because I am very curious about that myself. Uh, that is one story for uh, UC football. And I wish I could have asked him that. I should have wrote that down, but I, but I didn't. But uh, anyway, if you guys missed any of it, go check it out. It'll be, uh, it's on YouTube, and it'll be on the beat, uh, podcast later on tonight. But let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation. Who Day Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And of course, you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Turnipal. TikTok is at Iceman90. I'm also on, I just got on threads. I don't exactly know what it is, but you can follow me on there and I might start do, doing some stuff on there once I figure out how the hell it, it works. So uh, it's the same thing, Sports Strawberry Ice on threads uh podcast we pulled us out later on tonight putting on the podcast will be on bean pod apple itunes spotify google stitcher play pretty much wherever you get your podcast please make sure you rate like and review leave a five-star review and a comment some more since they fans can find my podcast youtubers you guys are awesome 2275 subscribers like i said you guys are my originals this is awesome i appreciate you guys hopefully the reds actually you know what i think i'm i figured it out i figured out why the reds haven't won I haven't placed a bet on them. So I think I'm going to place a $10 bet on the win tonight. Make sure you guys go watch it. we got Ashcraft uh, pitching tonight. Ellie's leading off. CES is playing first base. We're going to win. We're going to beat the freaking Giants. We're going to get on back on the winning streak. Just remember, we're only two and a half out, people. That's it. The world is not ending. It's a long season. We still got another what, two, two and a half months of baseball. And hopefully beyond that. I mean, how cool would it be? Bengals season starts. Start we kick the brownies' ass. The Reds are on the verge of making the playoffs. Sounds pretty cool to me. Other than that, you guys have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. And that's your sports, baby. See